0: We'd like to welcome everyone that is here tonight, if you're a guest with us tonight. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us this evening. I'm going to be a little selfish tonight, and I want to say a special welcome to a good friend of mine, Chuck Mulligan, and his wife, Kathy. Chuck, glad to you here tonight. Amen. And if you're watching us tonight on antioch.com, if you're watching us live or archive, we welcome you tonight to our broadcast. We pray that you're blessed by what you see, hear and feel, amen. God is in this place in such a wonderful way. And God never shows up anywhere by accident. Let's say that again, God never shows up anywhere by accident. God always comes with a purpose, and God has a purpose tonight. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I'm going to be a little unconventional. Those of you that are here most of the time, I'm going to be a little in, uh, unconventional this evening. Those of you that were with Heard me several Sundays ago. You'll hear some of this again t- tonight. But I don't apologize for repeating myself. I'm just here to obey what God has for me. But over the last few months especially, I have been challenged once again and take, by taking a fresh look at the gospel of John. In your Bible tonight, if you have a Bible, maybe you didn't bring it with you, but maybe you own one at home. Maybe you have a a Bible on your phone like most do nowadays. Very rarely do people carry a traditional Bible with them as much nowadays because we have it available on our phone. But if you open up your Bible and you go to the first few pages and it has the lists of the books of the Bible or maybe you open up your app tonight and you open up your Bible app and you look at the list of the books of the Bible you'll notice that there's four books that we call the Gospels. They're Matthew they're Mark and they're Luke and they're John. These are called the Gospels because they mainly deal with the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the only... Thing that I challenge with you with tonight, the one thing I challenge you with tonight is the fact that Even though these books are in the middle of your Bible tonight That wasn't the order in which they were written In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke Were written some 30 plus years After the resurrection of Jesus It wasn't as if Matthew and Mark were standing there as Jesus ascended into heaven and turned around in the crowd that day and said, Hey, get your copy here. Get your copy of my book. Get your copy. It wasn't like that. In fact, it took some 30 years before they got their gospel written. But the gospel of John is unique because some scholars say that the Gospel of John was actually the last book written in the Bible and the Gospel of John was written some 70 plus years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ 70 years and so tonight I want you to go with me and think about this here is John John who knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus The Bible says that John even laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He sits down to write his gospel. He's not writing a gospel of something that happened last week, last month, last year. He's writing a gospel of stuff that has happened 70 years ago. At the time that John wrote this gospel... There were somewhere of 10 million believers in the world. They weren't many denominations. There was just believers. They weren't divided by denominations. They were simply believers in Jesus. And by that time, there had been upwards of 10 million when John sat down to write his gospel. And Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, he traced the lineage of Jesus back to Abraham. Mark, when he wrote his gospel, Luke, when he wrote his gospel, the gospel of Luke, he goes all the way back to the Adam. But when John wrote his gospel, he started with this. In the beginning. Let's go back before all this started. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And a little later he said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us because everything that john was writing about he wrote with a purpose john did not put anything in his gospel that did not have a purpose everything that john spoke about had a purpose it was in john one that he talks about beginning where God came from it was John 2 that he talks about Jesus's first miracle at the wedding ceremony where he turned the water into wine it was John 3 that we find a man by the name of Nicodemus that asked the question the great question and Jesus's answer to that question was except a man be born of water and of spirit He cannot enter into heaven. John was not writing a book the moment that Jesus said those words. By that time that he wrote those words, the book of Acts had already taken place. He was not writing something that contradicted what was going on, but he was writing something that was confirming what was happening. When he said, you must be born of water and a spirit, it was not a contradiction, it was a confirmation. It was in John 3.16 that he said, for God so loved the world that that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. That wasn't a contradiction, it was a confirmation. But I draw your attention tonight To John chapter 4. As John is sitting there, maybe at a table with a candle, sitting there, letting the Holy Spirit rest upon him, as what he, God wanted to say through John. This is what he began to write. He said this, verse number 3 of chapter 4. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied with the journey, sat thus at the well. It was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For just a few moments tonight, I want to ask you the question. What well are you drinking from? What well are you drinking from? There was something that stuck out in John's memory about this moment. When John sat back and he remembered 70 years ago, there was something 70 years ago about this moment that so impacted John that he remembered this and he made the statement that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, we've got to go to Samaria. Now we read that and we, 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 we understand that he had an urgency, but if you start to dig in a little bit to the geography of that statement, you understand that when Jesus got up that morning to go to Samaria, he had to climb 2,000 feet in elevation not wearing Air Jordans. He was wearing... He wasn't wearing the latest boots from Under Armour. And he gets up and he looks at his disciples and says, we've got to go through Samaria. And I imagine they didn't... Of course, John wouldn't rat his own self out. I imagine they looked at him and said, really? Do we have to climb that hill today? Because it was easier... Because Jesus was going to Galilee, it was easier to go up the Jordan Valley, where it was flat, and go up the Jordan River on the flat ground to get to the Sea of Galilee, go around the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, take the little riv- river tribute, uh, the tributary to where he was going. But Jesus said, I've got to go to Samaria. Get your hiking boots on, fellas. And he climbs a 2,000-foot cliff to get to the plateau on which the city of Sychar rested because John remembered. He said when he got there, Jesus was tired because it wasn't too far before that, that Jesus had gone in the wilderness for a fast of 40 days. And so he climbs this cliff and he gets there and he climbs and he gets there and he's tired. What does that tell me about Jesus? There's something about that statement that tells me something about my Jesus. It tells me there's nothing too great and no distance too far that God's not willing to go to reach you tonight. There is no obstacle too high that God cannot get to. There's nothing tonight that you have done. There's no place that you have done. There's no valley too low that you've gotten into that God's not willing to reach in and find where you are at. Was the song that says ain't no mountain high enough ain't no valley low enough ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you They may have sung that about a man or a woman But really that's about God because there ain't no mountain high enough no valley low enough no river wide enough To keep him from getting to me No sin too great No trial too big No sickness too strong that God's not willing to climb any mountain, go down in any valley to get to you tonight. He got there at the sixth hour. Why did John tell us he got there at the sixth hour? Because Jesus never shows up late to anything. John told us he got there at that hour because he got there on time. As the song says, he may not come when you want him, but it'll be there right on time. Can I be as bold to tell somebody to this? You have a divine appointment in this place tonight. You don't know how you got there. You may say, well, I've come because I was invited. Can I tell you tonight? God has reached in where you're living, has brought you in this place tonight because he loves you and wants to reach you where you are. So Jesus shows up at this well. He takes a seat. We know later in the story, we'll get there in a minute, later in the story we know what happens, but he sends his disciples away. So he's sitting there alone. And this woman comes. It's at noon. She comes to the well. And John lets us know it's not just any well, but it's Jacob's well. Why is that significant? Well, there are several things that are significant about that. But one thing that jumps out at me, the Bible does not tell us anything about this well. This is the real first instance, and the only thing we get about this well is the reference to Jacob's well. But if you start doing some digging, you find that Jacob dug this well when he came back into the area. But when he dug the well, they dug about 150 feet down. Into the rock, but they found no source of water. But eventually, the water in the surrounding areas from the rain began to fall on the mountains and begin to collect and would begin to fill this well. And they would go and drink from this water. But in the summertime, it dried up, it had no water because the well had no source. The well was dependent on everything around it to be the source because it had no internal source. So when everything around it was good, the well was good. But when everything around it dried up, the well had no source. Too many people today are dependent upon everybody around them to make them happy. You're dependent upon your job You're dependent upon your status You're dependent upon your home, your car, your clothes, your friends All the things around you And when it's good, it's good But when it dries up You've got no source Because you've got nothing in here That becomes the well from which you can draw from Your whole dependency is upon everybody around you Being the source for your existence So when Your husband or your wife The rain dries up in their life get rid of them go get a new one That doesn't work Go find another one keep finding the one where it's raining and when they dry up Let's get another one when this job doesn't work. Let's find a new job When this house dries up, we don't like living here anymore. Let's go find a new house. Because that's going to help us feel the rain again. And yes, you get that new house, you get that new car, you get that, and the rain comes again, and you're happy. It fills that well up, but you start drinking again. And all of a sudden, the rain stops. And you're like, wait a minute, where's the source? And the well dries up, and it was in this well that Jesus shows up to talk to this woman. The other unique part about this is, This well was about a half mile out of town. You don't just get up, walk to this well. It was about a half mile out of town. There was other wells that were closer to her. But she came to this well. Why did she come to this well? Well, there's a problem. Pardon the pun. Well, there's a problem. There's a reason why she showed up at this well, a half mile out of town, at noon. The reason she showed up there was because of the condition of her life. Her circumstances had driven her to do things that other people weren't doing. Her circumstances had caused her to change her identity. Because later on we find out that she had been married five times. One, two, three, four, five. Is a one, one, two, three strikes you out, four, five. I don't know what that means. And in the time in which this was written, a man, a woman could not divorce a man. A man could only divorce a woman. So either maybe one of them died, we don't know. But somewhere along the line, some of these men had continued to reject her. And she had become damaged goods to the point where her shame about her life and her rejection was so great that she had to go to the place outside of town where nobody else was around because she couldn't even exist in her own town. If you do some research, you find out that this water, more than likely, was not too healthy to drink from. She went, if she went and got this water, more than likely she would have had to go back to her home and boil the water to kill off the impurities because of the condition of the well would not have been suited to drink from. And Jesus shows up and the first question he asks is, Give me something to drink. He didn't say, Go to town and get me the good stuff. He said, Give me something to drink out of this well. He, he was saying to this woman... I'm going to go where you're going. I'm going to hang out where you're going. They used to accuse Jesus of being a friend to sinners. He doesn't stand in a cathedral. He doesn't stand in a building. Jesus comes where you are. I know tonight we refer to this place as a church building. But this place is not some special place that we come to. Because God is everywhere. The same God that's in this place is the same God in the parking lot, the same God on Richie Highway, the same God at Safeway, the same God at the mall, because God is the same everywhere. So he says to her, give me to drink. Verse 9, it says this, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him. How is it, notice, in this discussion The first thing that starts coming up is a sense of rejection. She's automatically assuming, here's another person that's going to reject me. Because the first word is, why are you even here? Let's get it over with. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, let's just get over with. You don't associate with me, I'm just a dog to you. So I don't know why you're here. That's what she's saying. Verse 10, Jesus turned it right back around on her. Jesus answered and said unto her, if somebody needs to have an if moment tonight, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, you would ask of him and he would give you what? Not just water, not just tap water. Not just smart water, not just deer park water, but he would give you living water. Can I be as bold to say tonight, if you knew who was in this place tonight, if you knew that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, The one that said, let there be light. If you only knew he was in this place today. And we sang it. There is nothing that is too hard for God. With God all things are possible. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? She's taken back by this statement, if you knew, if you knew, I'm not just, I'm not just anybody here tonight. And I don't say this to be, I don't say this to be judgmental, but but we're not just another church tonight. It's not that we're special, but we're not just here to go through emotions of a ceremony tonight. We believe, I believe, let's put it this way. I believe And I know there's a lot of people here that agree with me. I believe that everybody that comes in contact with God should leave changed. I don't believe tonight that a church can save you. I don't believe tonight that religion can do anything for you. There is but one, and that's Jesus Christ that can do you. He's the only one that can do it for you. And so she's taken back by this, and she says this. Sir, verse 11, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank thereof, and his children his cattle? And Jesus said this, whoever drinks of this water, whoever drinks of the place that has no source, you're going to continue to get thirsty and you're going to continue to look for more and you're never going to be satisfied. But whoever drinks of the water I give maybe might no shall shall never thirst but the water I give shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. Literally the translation in that first part is whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst for this world again. Meaning that the well that God gives me becomes such a source of peace and joy and happiness. No shame, no guilt. No sorrow, no grief, but the joy that's in me. As the song says, this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. And if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. Now watch what she says. Next verse, 15. She says, sir, I like what you're telling me. Give me. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Give me some of that water. Because I've been drinking this water. And I've been showing up here at noon. But I'm tired of living this life. And I don't want to live this life one more day. And you're telling me that I don't have to live this way one more second. I want some of the water that you're offering me. I wonder if there's anybody tonight that's somewhere in all this. You say, I don't understand all that's happening in this place. I've got more questions than I have answered. But I want some of that what they're drinking. But here's what happens. Jesus gets her. He says, she said, give me some of this water. He goes, okay, go get your husband. I imagine she probably goes oh, um, it 's been nice knowing you thank you uh, good good talk. I appreciate that uh, that was nice um, um, okay, uh, you got me, and she turned to him and she goes um, uh, i don 't know how to say this i don 't have a husband, and jesus went if he, if he was living today. Jesus would have gone, ding, 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 ding. You're right. You're right. You did good. You have no husband. In fact, you've had five of them. And in fact, you're living with one that's not even your husband. You see, the problem most people have with coming to God is you've got to get real. You gotta get real with yourself. You gotta get real with your past. You gotta get real for your need for Him. There's no room in here tonight for stuck up, holier than thou people. As the song says, amazing grace. How sweet the sound! That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And he challenged her that night. He said, Get real with yourself. Are you willing to get real with your life? Are you willing to get real with your emptiness? Are you willing to get real with your hurt? Are you willing to get real with the needs that you have in your life? And she said, I am. I am. I've got no husband. He said, you're doing good. You're doing good. Good answer. And she looked at him and she said, you're not like everybody else, are you? You're different. In fact... It seems like you actually might be a prophet. And all of a sudden, hunger. You see, when you get honest with yourself about your condition, there's something that arises in you that all of a sudden you get hungry to know God. And all of a sudden, she got hungry to know more about this Jesus. And she said, she asked the question. She said, our fathers worship." In this mountain, and you so, you so say that Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And he said this, woman, believe the hour cometh when thou shalt neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And he makes this spirit, he makes this statement, but the hour cometh, ye know not, and the hour cometh that is now when the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for some people that worship in spirit and in truth. But watch this. We got a big screen here so you can see it. You ready? When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in... What's that next word? Now, here's a test. You ready? Is that a big S or a little S? Little S. Why is that a big deal, preacher? Thank you for asking. I'm going to answer you. Because in the Bible, a big S, that's God. But a little S, that's me. So most people read this... Read this verse and say, we shall worship the father in spirit. That's him. That's his spirit. And in truth, that's the truth about God. But that's not what he was saying. He said, the first place you got to start, you got to worship in spirit. What spirit? Your own spirit. And Proverbs says that the spirit of the man is the candle of the soul. What is your spirit? What is that? It's the conscious of your soul. It's your conscience. It's that voice in you of honesty. It's that voice in you that's pricking at you tonight. And God said to that woman that day, if you're gonna worship me, you gotta first start with the honesty about yourself. You gotta start with recognizing your need for me in here before you can see the truth here. You can't see the truth here unless you're first willing to see the truth here. You say, well, that's hard tonight, preacher. No, no. You see, God's not willing to reach past your ability to let him. God shows up in the garden. The great story of Adam and Eve. God shows up in the garden. You've heard the story before. He shows up in the garden. Adam has sinned. He took of the apple, and God shows up in the garden, and He calls out, "Adam! Hey, Adam! Yo! Where are you, Adam? Hey, hey, Adam! Adam!" And I've heard people mock Christianity and say, "See how dumb that is? If God knows everything, why didn't He know where Adam was?" That right there proves they don't have no. They have no clue about the Bible. God knew where Adam was. In fact, the Bible says God lives in all space and all time. God not only knew where Adam was, God was standing right next to Adam. Come here, Adam. Come here, Adam. Hey, Adam, where are you? Hey, Adam, where are you? He's standing right next to Adam. Why did God call out to Adam? Because Adam said, I'm here. Why is that important? Because God knew where Adam was, but God couldn't help Adam until Adam recognized where he was. God wanted to help Adam. God had a plan to forgive Adam. God had a plan to get Adam out of the predicament that sin got him into. But God could not do that to Adam until Adam was willing to acknowledge, God, I'm right here. It's me, God. I need you. God, I've sinned. God, I've done some things that are wrong. I know you're looking for me. Here I am. I wish sometimes, I've said this before, I wish sometimes that I could somehow twist God's arm into coming down here and just, just, you know, it's like when you have a baby and you're trying to get them to eat, you do everything possible to get them to open up their mouth. Eventually, when that doesn't work, you just take the spoon and you go dive in. And you just smash it in there and hope they get some. I wish sometimes God would do that and say, Okay, God, they don't want it, but let's just get it in there anyways. But God doesn't do that. God's gentle. God's kind. God never goes past your will to open up to him. And he tells her, are you willing to be honest with yourself? And I'm asking someone tonight, tonight, you come here. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you come here every week. But are you willing tonight to be honest tonight and say, you know what? I've got some things in my life that I need God. I need God. I've been living with this well, this Jacob's well. I've been living with this well that has water some days, but there's some days I get up and I don't have any water. There's some days I need a drink, but I go to it. Notice this, that the well was driest in the summer. In the hottest times where you need water the most, there was no water. When you need That sourced the most. That's the time it dries up. In the winter time when it's cold outside and you don't need that much water to survive. It's full of water. But when it's hot, the water dried up. And it was at that place that Jesus said, you can drink from this well and you can be thirsty and you can be thirsty. But if you drink from the well that I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. And by this time, her mind is blown Because she says to him, she says, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And then it's like she put it on a tee. He picked up a bat, and Babe Ruth style said, Watch it, because I'm about to knock it out of the park. She said, There's a Messiah that's coming. He's the Christ. He's going to tell us all things. In verse 26, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Whoa, 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 watch it. Watch it. Don't get ahead of me. Back up the truck. In your King James, you have a King James Bible. King James Translation Bible, which is what we're reading from tonight. In the King James Bible, if you've ever read one, you'll notice that there are some words in the King James Bible that look a little squiggly because they're italicized. That means they weren't in the original script of Hebrew and Greek, but they were added by the translators in order to clarify the statement. So he looked at her and he said, I that speak unto thee am he. That word in there is squiggly. He, so we're gonna cover up the he and we're gonna say it again. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am. <laughs> mm-hmm. You say, okay, preacher, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. She said, I think you're the Messiah. He said, no, 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 you're missing it. I'm not just the Messiah. I am. Well, I am what? I am. I'm the I am that stood in the burning bush that said to Moses, I am. I am the one that said, let there be light. I'm not just the Messiah, but I am. Why is that important tonight? Because if you label him, you define him. But when he is the I am, he's everything you need him to be. When he looked at her, he said you call me the Messiah, but I'm not the Messiah. I'm the I am He said I'm the I am from a to Z. I am your advocate. I am your bridegroom. I am your cornerstone I am your deliverer. I am the Emmanuel. I am your friend. I am your God. I am your hope I am your inheritance. I am your Jehovah I am your king I am your life I am marvelous, magnanimous, matchless, magnificent. I am. Don't define God tonight. Don't say I'm looking for a savior. You've come tonight in the presence of the I am. She said, I think you're said, No, 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 no. You, you, you're too shallow for me. I am. I am. I am anything and everything you need me to be. You say tonight, I need this. I've got an answer for you. I am. I need that. I've got an answer for you. I am. I need healing. I am. I need deliverance. I am. I need salvation. I am. I need hope. I am. I am. I am. I am. That's why he said to her, we said this way, girl, if you only knew. Girl, if you only knew who I was. She started trying to figure it out. I know who you are. I think you're that Messiah. He goes, no, you're close. But you're thinking too small. I am. You know what? Too much today. Our world has made the devil big and God small. But I serve a big God. God. In fact, I serve a God who fills all space and all time. I serve a God that you cannot quantify how big he is because he's as big as he can get because he fills all space and all time. I am. Turn to your neighbor and say the I am is here. Not just the Father, not just the Son, not just the Holy Ghost, but the I Am. Not just the Christ, not just the Redeemer, not just the Deliverer, but the I Am. The I Am. The I Am. Everything you need Him to be is in this place tonight. If you're fatherless, the Father's here. If you're motherless, the Mother is here. If you're friendless, the Friend is here. My question tonight is, what well are you gonna keep drinking from? What well are you gonna keep drinking from? Cause you know what? What you didn't realize is that Jesus climbed the mountain tonight to come here because he had a divine appointment to see someone in this place. I don't know who you are, maybe one person. It doesn't matter to God. He went two thousand, he went, he went two thousand feet out of his way to meet one. He could come here tonight for one. But he came here tonight to looking for somebody who's willing to be honest to say, "Look, I don't want to live with this well any longer. I don't want to live like this any longer." And you ready? I wasn't going to do it. We got to go. Let's go back. Hold on. Watch what happens. You ready? And upon his disciples. And upon this came his disciples. Meaning, they came back and messed everything up. They should have stayed away. And talked to the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talk us? Now watch this. Ready? Here's the verse. Go to that verse 28. You ready? Watch what she does. Then the woman left her water pot and went back to the city to tell people about what had happened. Why did John have to put that in there? Because what? She went to that well with an identity. But when she left that well she went to the well a five time Divorcee, but she came out of that well a child of God because John said she left her water pot at the well. You can leave your sins tonight at the well. You can leave your mistakes at the well. You can leave your sickness at the well. Whatever has defined you when you walked in here, when you leave here tonight, you can leave your water pot with Jesus. Leave it with Jesus. Leave it at His feet. Leave it at His feet. If you've never been, if you've never been forgiven of your sins, the Bible's very clear. The Bible says, if we are baptized into Christ, if we're baptized into Him, old things mean old water pots, old water pots. Because you know what they saw? They looked at water pot. There come the lady with the water pot. Here come the lady. She said, I'm not defined anymore by the water pot. Because when she went back to town, you know what she told people? She didn't tell them about the water pot. She told them about her experience with Jesus. Don't leave here tonight with your water pot. But there is a God who loves you that's willing to take your water pot, your sins, your mistakes, your failures, your ups and your downs. You can leave it with him. Would you stand with me tonight? Thank you, Jesus. We could talk all night. Literally. We could talk for hours about what God could do. What God can do. We don't even we don't scratch the surface. This book is filled with what God can do. The one little section we pulled out of here, the 26 verses or 24 verses that we read from, they're just a small sample of what God can do. The question is, "Are you like that woman tonight?" And you say, you know what? I want what God has for me. I want what He has for me. God, I want to drink from your well so uh, how do I do that well the first thing you got to do is you got to be honest with yourself you got to recognize the well I'm drinking from it it ain't working I want a new well I don't want to live like this anymore I want to be what God has called me to be I want to have that source in my life If you want that tonight, here's the first step. You got to be honest with yourself. Jesus challenged her, and I challenge you. Are you willing to be honest where you are? If somehow tonight we could peel back the curtain and hear the voice of God, He'd be calling your name, Adam! Adam, where are you? And you have to recognize, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You know, notice Adam didn't go run to the closet and change his clothes. God found Adam just like he was. I've heard many times people say, you know what? When I get all this straight in my life and I get good here and get good there, I'll come to God. No, it doesn't work that way. I don't, come, I don't get good to come to God. I come to God to get good. Because the Bible's very clear. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So tonight, is the question is, are you willing to be honest with yourself? Are you willing to say, you know what? Maybe you know God. Maybe you have a relationship with Him like you know, but maybe you want more of what He has to offer. Maybe there's more that you want from God. Maybe there's more that you need from Him tonight. Maybe you say, I've got some, but I, but I want more. I want more of what God has. Are you willing to be honest with yourself and say, tonight, I want to drink from that well. If that's your call tonight, if you said that, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, if I believe, I speak. I not only think it in my mind, I speak it with my mouth. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. And the book of James tells me this. Faith without works is dead. Or we say it this way. Actions speak louder than words. Forgive me for using this again. For those of you that heard it, Brother Stu, would you come here? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Stu is gonna be here. I'm gonna walk up to Stu. Here's what I'm gonna do Stu, man, I love you. Wow. But man, wait a minute. I love you. Wow. Don't worry about it. I love you. Wow. Do you think he's gonna hear what I'm saying? Or judge me by what I'm doing So if you say tonight God I need you But yet you don't open up to him God can't work Past what you're doing Even though you're saying The right words There's no script to read tonight We don't give you words And say read this No it comes out of the cry of your own heart what you need for him so if you're here tonight and you say look I want more of God more than I have and I want that tonight I want what God has for me if that's your 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 desire I'm going to challenge you actions are louder than words don't just say it you got to mean it and you got to act on it if that's your desire tonight I'm going to ask you to come down and join me if you're sitting next to somebody why don't you ask them to come with you Well, why do I have to come down front, preacher? Can I do it where I'm sitting? Yeah, you can. But remember, actions speak louder than words. You're not joining the church. It's not about joining the church. You don't have to come here to go to heaven. It's not the only place in the world you can go to heaven from. I'm just asking you, are you willing to be honest with yourself? Are you willing to be honest for your need for him? Are you willing tonight? Why don't you turn to somebody and ask them, would you you go down and pray with me? Turn to somebody and say, well, Come on, let's go pray together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't, we're not praying yet. you are just coming. They're coming. 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 Could get the awesome altar workers that come and help me not going to explain it away tonight we're going to just let the lord lead us to those who near you're going to have to coach them through it praise god here's what we're going to do before we do anything here's what we're going to do very simply this we're going to just be honest with god and we're going to say it this way you ready listen they're still coming they're still coming they're still coming we're just going to be honest with God and say it this way. We're just going to tell God, God, if there's anything in me that would keep me from, from receiving what you want me to have, God, I'm praying that you would just take it all away. We're going to ask God to do that. You're willing, you willing. You've come this far, let's just go a little farther. Just ask the Lord that right now. Just close your eyes and say. In your own words, God, if there's anything in me that would keep me from receiving what you have for me, I pray, God, now that you would just take it away. I don't want there to be anything that would keep me from receiving what you have for me. In Jesus' name. And here's all we're going to do. Those of you that are down here, here's what we're going to do. All the workers just standing by, I need some more help for those of you that understand what I'm saying. Here's what we're going to do. The Bible said, and we read it, true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. We're going to worship God. How do I do that? Very simply. I just lift my hands. I close my eyes. Why do I close my eyes? We don't close our eyes to be spooky and mystical. I close my eyes because I don't want to be distracted. Because There's nobody in this room that can help you but Jesus. So might as well not look at me. I can't help you. I'm going to close my eyes and worship him. And I believe as I worship him, he said he's looking for the true worshipers. If I worship him, he's going to come down and he's going to begin to minister and fellowship with me. If you've never received that living water tonight, I believe tonight in just a moment, you're going to begin to receive that living water in this place. If you want that right now, would you lift your hands, all of you that are out here? Lift your hands and close your eyes and begin to just worship God out loud. Come on, can you do that? All over this space. Come on, let's do that. All the workers, let's begin to pray for these that are down here.